Hey everybody, welcome to the Lex G Podcast, Sunday Freeform Riff. This is an off-topic one, I don't have any big movie thing to do, I'll weave movies in and out of it as always. This is just a little time killer, you know, I don't like tossing these off because I, I do know that like one bad podcast is going to spoil the whole thing because so far most of these have been very movie-loving, very affectionate, very genial, and I don't want to have, if I drop like a kind of bitter one about, you know, things that are affecting me personally, people are going to be like, well, we, we thought this was the fun movie guy, we didn't, we're not paying, not that I've asked for money or anything, but I'm like, Nobody's listening to hear me whine. You can read my Twitter if you want to do that. Uh, so I'm going to try and stay somewhat positive. I'm just going to talk about... This will be a Los Angeles-centric episode. Los Angeles is such a part of movies. It's such a part of my being, in a way, uh, even though it's not as much a part as I want it to be. And if that's of no interest to you, um, that's fine. You can take a take a leave of absence on this one. But I'm going to try and make it relatable and just talk about... Um, why I just don't, I, I don't know. Movies to me always meant Hollywood, always meant Los Angeles. The big dream of my life was I was going to move to California. It overrode pretty much everything. It was always like, if I could just get out there, you know, me being from, I was a little kid, Connecticut, Maine, my teen, adolescent years in Pittsburgh. I was always like that Los Angeles, it's sun, it's palm trees, it's Van Halen, it's fast times at Ridgemont High, it's schools with outdoor lockers and Eric Stoltz and Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader coming to school in a trench coat as a pimp, even though he's 18 or something. And it was less than zero and Brett Easton Ellis and um, yeah, fast cars and Corvette Summer and it was Corvette Summer in Malibu. I don't remember. Big Wednesday and John Milius and Surf and the Beach and Point Break and Baywatch and Babes and Blonde Hair and Three's Company. Everything to Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses was a huge part of why, like when I was 18, 19, and I just wanted to move out here. And I decided to go to college at the last minute at Pitt. I, I had applied to a bunch of colleges in Los Angeles and to NYU. I couldn't get into NYU. I wanted to go to school for film because I was going to, I'm going to be the next John Carpenter. I was going to be a big film director. I'm going to be John Carpenter. That was the dream. So I especially wanted to go to UC, USC, but I also applied to UCLA for God knows what reason. I don't think I got in there or maybe I did. And it was, I, I forget, it was expensive to come from out of state, USC, they're like, okay, we'll let you into the main school, but your grades and your profile aren't great enough. Like, we can't let you into the film department first year. You know, you'll have to come and prove yourself. And it was like a, a gamble. Like, do I want to go pay 23000 or whatever it was to prove myself as a straight-A student in my general courses for a year? You know, ooh, he's great, he's great at geometry and uh, economics. Let's let him into the film department. Or do I just scrap it? And then I was going to go to Ithaca was like the one I, I accepted. The boys is boring, isn't it? I promise I'm getting somewhere with this. Ithaca College is by Cornell. It's in God knows where, New York. It's cold and dreary. And I went there for some orientation and some frat dude was leading us around. And I remember my dad was there. And for some reason, he like, you know, I went with my dad. <laughs> it's like, I love my dad. but He's like, I, you know, maybe you had to go with your parents. I don't remember. But my dad was like trying to be very enthusiastic. Like, see, they teach film here. And at the time, there was a movie out with Sean Astin and Lou Gossett called, called Toy Soldiers. And we had this big part of the ori orientation was a big welcome to Ithaca and some super intense, like Harry Carey looking dude with like big glasses and old like like uh, he wasn't jolly. Like, I don't know why I went to Harry Carey. Just like trying to visually uh, 
point out what he looked. And he came out. And he's like, "So you want to you want to learn film? You better come to Ithaca. You want to be a director? This is the school for you. We have." And he talked about the movie Toy Soldiers for twenty minutes about how someone who'd gone to Ithaca, and I don't know if it was. I've tried looking it up and can't find who the fuck it was. Someone who either wrote it or directed it or was the gaffer on it or something of this forgotten. Lou Gossam movie. And see, here's the thing. Sean Astin, his showbiz family, right? He's exactly my age. 1991, he's starring in a Hollywood movie. I'm there with my dad coming from Pittsburgh. Oh, oh, maybe I can take some courses here and learn film. You're so screwed from before the starting line. If you don't, if you didn't grow up in the business, if you don't have connections in the business. Um, And they're talking about this movie that no one's ever thought of since. And I was like, this guy's a little intense. And the weather was depressing and dreary. And I was like, this is gray and overcast. And I'm coming from Pittsburgh. And I'm like, I thought filmmaking was like running around Los Angeles and Ferraris and blowing shit up and partying with Axel and Vince Neil and shit at the Rainbow Room. I I don't want to be stuck in some, you know, another graying uh, overcast place that's cold and rainy. And I I was like, you know what? I'm I think after that weekend, I was like, no, no, I rescind my interest in this school. It's not for me. And I was going to hop in the old Cavalier. And what I have, I had a Malibu. I had a 78 Malibu classic. It was maroon. And I had inherited from my dad. This was like 91. I was still keeping a 78 car going, which I guess that's not supernatural. You would have maybe a 2008 car on the road today. But then it seemed like, especially being on the East Coast where they had rust and your car would get all decrepit from the the salt that they would put on roads. It was crumbling. The frame was kind of cracked. It was barely holding together. But I was like, I'm going to take this car and I'm going to drive out there and I'm going to slay the world as, as an actor and a movie star and a comedian. And I had all these... And it was like, I don't know the first thing about acting. I'd never done a play. And my dad, my family, I'm not blaming them at all. I love them. They were looking out for me. They're very practical. And they were like, you should just go to Pitt. You should just go locally. You can get, you know, it's not too late. You can get in. They've got an English department. They have a film studies department. And all you learn in film studies is film theory. You don't learn jack shit. We had to take one filmmaking 101 course that it was like reel-to-reel, 8-millimeter editing with a splicer and tape, which I'll tell you is really coming in handy. You know, <laughs> look out, avid jockeys. I know how to splice a film strip of a Driver's Ed movie from 74. I can make the, I can make the two shots of the AMC Ambassador uh, matchup. Um, it was... Yeah, it was a big waste of four years. And by the time I was, by the time I was going to, in in that time, Tarantino had blown up and I got this idea, ooh, you know, maybe I'm not a, a theater actor and I, I'm not really doing the stand-up thing, but maybe I'll be a great writer. And if I get out there and I can screen, be a screenwriter, I can get little parts in movies. <laughs> like at the time, like Tarantino was starting to do his bad acting and things. And I was like, oh, that's going to be me. I'm the next Tarantino. And I wrote these shitty four screenplays that I've told you about before. And I hit the road and came out. By that point, my love or my dream, my otherization, my fixation on Los Angeles, on California, on an L.A. that I'd seen on 90210 and Guns N' Roses videos and hair metal and Sunset and Gardner and Guitar Center and I, 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 I like and Beverly Hills Cop. This was the only Death Wish 2. Even the movies that made L.A. seem criminal and dried out, bombed out, depressing. I still wanted to be part of that big city. Like I wanted to be Death Wish 2 or 8 Million Ways to Die or The Morning After or um, 
you know, just movies that were glum about Los Angeles, they still made it seem exciting to me. Like, I don't know why. Like, you'd think, you know, being East Coast, being sort of Italian, being sort of a a hot-tempered guy, maybe I would have gravitated to New York City, and maybe I probably should have. Maybe that would have suited my temperament. I've only ever visited New York City once, and when I did, like, little old ladies were asking me questions, and people were, you know, tourists were asking me directions, I guess because I have sort of that pasty Matthew Broderick and the freshman earnestness and dorkiness, or at least I did 20 years ago. And I, it was weird. I sort of felt at home. Like it made me feel like I was Deke to Silva and Nighthawks or something. I felt very in my element and it's always bothered me, you know, how much Los Angeles meant to me, how much it was my dream to be here and to be Mr. L.A. and to reinvent myself as a California guy, a Los Angeles guy. You know, I thought I'd get out here and, you know, get frosted hair and a Hawaiian shirt and I'd be, you know, getting babes in my convertible. And then none of it's happened. And I feel like I never fit in. And it's the, the city of my dreams. And, you know, because you tell people this, and they go, well, get out of there. California's crazy. You know, especially if you come from a conservative backdrop. I don't want to say they're rooting against you, but they definitely have a chip on their shoulder against, you know, California's for crazies. Get the hell out of there. It's, you know, if you wanted to be Axl Rose crossed with John Carpenter crossed with Tom Cruise, like how is moving to like Schenectady, New York going to give me, you know, it's an argument I have with family and loved ones and friends is like, they just seem to, you know, if they don't, if you didn't have that impulse to be a creative person, to be a comic, to be an actor, to be a screenwriter or something, they just think that like, well, well, you know, your dreams didn't work out. You can come be a librarian in Boise and, but you'll meet a nice girl and settle down and you'll love your kids and have a boat. Like none of that was ever the dream. It, it, it's like, it's not even like that's, Oh, I'll fall back on a something else it was supposedly that there was no other plan, but unfortunately there was a plan because I'm a practical guy from Pittsburgh and I couldn't just be out here starving artists living in my, you know, in my, in my, in my uh, trunk of my car and, you know, subsisting on people's couches. And, you know, you know, when you get here, you kind of got to have like 32 roommates and live in a shithole. And, you know, you got, everybody's doing their auditions and running lines with each other. And, um, I was never that kind of person. As soon as I got here, well, I came out, lived in motels for a while, blew through all my money, went back and came back again and had a job. One time I was a telemarketer and then, uh, then I got a job. And once you have a corporate type job where you have to be at a desk from seven to three or eight to four, or nine to five, a job job doesn't let you go out and audition. And a job job asks you, hey, we have this, this and this coming in late tonight. It's a red hot rush. We really need you on it work four extra hours, there goes your stand-up, you know? And eventually over time, it became, we need you on night shift. And when you're on night shift, I thought, well, I'll have the daytime for my auditions. But really what it is, you have the nighttime for drinking, and then you have the daytime to sleep until it's time to punch in and do a job you hate. And before you know it, two decades goes by. And in those two decades, um, you know, if you don't come from deep pockets, you don't have any connections, it's, it's very frustrating um, to just feel like you're still on vacation here. Like you're still a tourist in a city you've lived in for two decades. You didn't set up roots. It's God knows it's too expensive to buy a house. You know, you make 40, 50 grand, 60 grand. So what? It's nothing. You know, it just blows me away. Like people in normal, you know, whatever they derisively call flyover country, but it's actually smart country. Cause you can get a house at 23 
and you're not you know you're not stuck in it till the day you die because things can be sort of up in the air there but in los angeles a house is like two million dollars for 10 feet of postage stamp stamp size front lawn that for some reason you don't mow i don't even get that like your lawn is the size of you know it's the square footage of a tent but you have to have a full uh, spanish work crew come to mow your lawn because you're too good to mow lawn in los angeles for some reason which i don't get but you see that i'm the salt of the earth and i never could just you know fly the flag and like hi-hat where i came from and my parents and reinvent myself as too cool for school or anything and i always feel this guilt and this you know because i lit out on my family at 23 and it's like what do i have to show for it what do i have to show for it so it's constantly a complex within me because i'm in this city and and i'm so far from it like if you don't i don't know if you're not in you might it's like i might as well live in the high desert or something and, you know, all the things I thought L.A. was going to be. And all I'm doing is bitching. You're probably saying, well, move out, move out, move out. I don't want to move out. I want to be a king here. And it gets so depressing as you get older. And you see new people, new kids. Like, I'm always bitter about film Twitter, just to speak very specifically. All these film journalist guys. And I'm doing this podcast. And nobody's lending the glad hand in L.A. And that's, you know, let me make a, I want to preface this. Anybody who listens to this, I appreciate it. I don't know why you'd ever listen to my bullshit, so I'm so flattered. I hope it's all been entertaining and, and it's so enthusiastic and so genial. But I noticed that the, 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 the support and the friendliness stops at Los Angeles County. There's nobody, you know, I've been kind of circling, trying to butt my head into the little film community of Los Angeles, the little you know, blogger circle, the blogger sphere and film critic circle, and it's always the icy mitt it's a full freeze out or it's a little like well you're a little funny uh maybe if you wrote something and maybe we could meet for lunch and we can reserve the right to ch it's like fuck you i've dropped 30 episodes that are funny that are me freestyling going nuts telling you all this stuff with what i feel is insight and humor and personal stories and a perspective that's so beyond what other, some 22 year old fucking zoomer kid who's just going to write in lowercase and be outraged about, I don't know, he's going to be outraged about uh, the conformist in 2000, you know, maybe we should come for this Bertolucci guy. Huh? And that's what you guys want. Like nobody ever is like, Hey, you're great. You should be at our media empire. There would be a place for you. Or we'd like to, you know, pay you for this podcast or, or signal boost you, or you should be on our little fucking funny video thing. And you're great. It's no, it's because no one from Los Angeles will ever help another person they perceive as beneath them, which is, I get it. I've said this before. Like if cousin Louie from Jacksonville was like, Hey there, Lex G I'm coming out to be a movie star. Can you help me get it? I'd be like, fuck you. This is my territory. And that's what I'm getting at is I feel very possessive of it. And I get annoyed when each new, I got to watch. Do you know how much it hurts? See, I'm just upfront about these things. I think other film Twitter people don't say them. I got to watch every, every, these names are probably meaningless to you, but all these guys like, and they move here 10 years, 15 years after me and instantly know because they've been on the internet and they know to go to Los Feliz and you'll get an instant posse in Los Feliz. I didn't know that. I didn't come here with an internet. I'd never been on the internet when I moved here. I knew not one person in this entire place. So I had to get a day job and we get a day job. You just end up being friends with the people at your day job. And if it's not a movie related day job, you kind of work with people who talk about that boring shit and you don't feel part of the community. You don't feel part of the city. And then years and years go by 
And, you know, maybe you get a girlfriend, you get a roof over your head, you just get, you know, they give you a corner office and I'm wearing my sensible dockers. Like in 2001, you, some of you guys like knew to be a film critic and writing for your alt weekly and going to junkets. Ooh, I'm interviewing Richard Gere about unfaithful. Meanwhile, I was in a corner office typing out Digimon or something. In my sensible slacks, I had some blue dockers that I was like, can you wear brown shoes? And I'd have to go on corporate lunches. And I had an office and everything. And then around 2005, the rug whoosh, pulled out from under that. I lost a certain job. And I went to other places kind of as a freelancer kind of. Anyway, I was always just starting over doing the same shit. And this season, I'm starting over again doing the same shit. And I watch every 25-year-old kid come out here full of dreams. And most of them fail, but they still get better apartments than me. They make friends right away. And it's like, what do I have to show for a quarter century of my life? This is therapy chat with Lex G. Um, but my point is like, how do you guys make money? It's such an expensive city. Every day that I've lived in California, every single day, I've worked five to six days a week, every week. The only vacations I've had is I go home to Pittsburgh to see my family, maybe five, six days in the summer, or maybe five, six days at the holidays, if I'm lucky enough. And usually I'm not lucky enough to get two weeks, even because when you're in the post industry, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, you're entitled to four weeks of vacation. It doesn't matter. Like movies and people are like, how come you can't get a day off? Dude, then stop watching your fucking streaming. Stop watching TV. Stop, you know, you guys don't sit out watching TV for a week, which means I have to type out all the TV you're watching and my horrible, depressing life. And I just like, no one, it's like, what I'm getting at is this podcast, it's maybe funny, maybe you're enjoying it. This is a self-pity episode and it sounds like shit, but it's like, it still feels like I'm in my bedroom talking to myself. I don't feel like I'm making, like, none of it's real. Like I can get on here I could do a, you know, I'm going to do a lightning round about deicide albums and 20 guys will go, oh, it sounds funny, but doesn't, I'm not part of the heavy metal community by doing that. Just like, I'm, just me rambling about Brian De Palma. You guys like go do a junket with Brian De Palma. Everyone's like, tell me their stories. Oh, I was on set with them. I work PA, I work crew. Where, how come I can't do any of that? Why am I the one person who is destined because of my Pittsburgh practicality, my sense of self, you know, that's the Catholic thing. Like I got to whip myself and be miserable. Like, ex you know, there's a, there's a, a song by Helmet. No, it's a song by, uh, who are those fat asses? Crowbar, Crowbar from New Orleans. And it's called existence is punishment. That's how I live. Every day you feel sorry for yourself. You hate yourself. You don't root for yourself. You know you're destined to fail. And nobody is going to help you. And you, you live 25, 26 years in a city and barely make any friends. And none of those friends, I mean, and, and it seems so ungrateful when it's like you get a nice person who's like, I really like your stuff, man. That's cool. But I'm like, well, they're not in, you know, and then I am this fall into the same trap as I'm accusing other people of. I'm like, well, they're not cool. They're not LA. They're not Tommy Lee. They're not going to get me to hang out at parties with Fred Durst and do Coke and, and hang out with playboy models. And you end up going to like some dive bar and talking about uh, Kermit the frog or something. I'm just never in the right place at the right time. I'm so down on myself. I had a birthday last week and I got the, my birthday surprise surprise was that, uh, I've been told that I have to go back to an office. I have to go back to a cubicle. And I'm like, these film Twitter guys, like this guy, the, 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 what's his name? The awards ace. He's not working in a cubicle. You know, 
What, why aren't you guys at a cubicle? Why am I the only cubicle, cubicle guy? Why not fucking signal boost me, man? I always think this thing is funny. Or it was funny. This is a miserable episode. It's making everybody uncomfortable because nobody wants to hear somebody down on themselves. It's just that Los Angeles was so important to me to be plugged into this city, to be part of it, to be an L.A. guy. And, I, you know, that's why I get protective of it. It's like, this is my city. And when someone comes here, other, you know, even when like an actor like Gillian Jacobs or Jillian Jacobs or like Zachary Quinto, I'm like, how are they? I was so mad when uh, Joe Manganiello or Mark Lucas blew up. And I'm like, they're from my area. I'm the guy. I'm the person. No one else from fucking Western PA is ever allowed to even set foot in the city, in the state. Because I left there to get away from that mindset. What are you doing out here? Especially someone like Joe Manganiello who's like all good looking and was a jock. Like those were the guys that beat me up. What are you doing out here, Mark Blucas? This was supposed to be I'm the nerd who's creative and arty and is going to be John Carpenter. And I escape to California. And instead I got to sit here and watch every 23-year-old Zoomer kid and TikToker. And that's why I get so mad about YouTube because you watch those YouTube. There's some girl with like no charisma and nothing interesting. She's like, well, here's my life. When you move to Los Angeles, you get a $4,000 apartment. It's called The Colony and it's on Sunset and Vine. You can get this and you'll have neighbors and you can create content together. as $4,000. It's like you bring nothing to the world. Nothing. And you get to be in my city. I'm like uh, Burt Reynolds and Sharky's Machinery. He's like, you're fucking up my city. And you know the worst part? You're from out of state. So I'm getting driven out by YouTubers and TikTokers who can afford 4000 And everyone's so mad about like Elon Musk. Oh, he doesn't give back. You know, it's empty money. It's Dogecoin isn't real. You know what else isn't real? Some fucking dingbat on YouTube talking about her lifestyle brand. That's empty money. Bella Thorne making 60 grand in one day for a picture is empty money. Hell, if you gave me $5 for the, a Patreon for, to listen to me bitch about bad Brian De Palma movies like Raising Cane, that's empty money. Like, life, I don't... I always have thought in life you had a boss, and I don't understand entrepreneurialship. I, don't, I can't say the word entrepreneur. It's literally a thing. I don't know how. Is it entrepreneur, preneur, 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 entrepreneur, entrepreneur? It's a word I literally can't say, and I have an English degree, and I'm a genius. But I don't know how they do it, where they're like, yeah, you watch Shark Tank, and they're like, I went down to my basement, and I figured out how to, a plastic factory work, and I, it works, and I called my friends in China. to get. I'm like, how do you know a sweatshop in China? How do you know how to mold plastic? How do you know how to do that? I don't even know how to do cell animation. I got to scribble things on pen. I don't know how Photoshop works. But it's Shark Tank, oh, Oh, I'm good. And everyone, I Shark Tank. I should just do a whole podcast about Shark Tank. Like Cuban, everybody's like, yeah, you're out grinding. You're out grinding. Grinding means ripping people off. Grinding means you're a hustler, which is a sleaze, which is someone who's just, just milking, just, just a fucking bullshitter, conning money. The con is on. And it's so applauded. Woo, that's the dream. Be your own boss. Be your... Who does your fucking taxes if you're your own boss? Oh, I'm my own boss. Where do you get the paycheck from? Doesn't the paycheck have to come from a, a CEO who signs it and stamps it and then HR takes your taxes out? Who does that shit if you're the boss? See, this is the Pittsburgh guy. I want to be the LA guy who's just like, yeah, man, uh, rock and roll. Uh. No, 
I'm a drone in my button-up shirts and 38-inch fat-ass can. And I need somebody to, you know, keep order in my world because you got to have the direct deposit. It's everything. It's the end-all, be-all of life. But other people get to come here and they just subsist. Got my room. How do you have a roommate over 22? Don't you have to take dumps and shit? Aren't you all depressed and hating yourself and then some asshole that you barely know? What if you have foot fungus? What if you have a wart on your foot and like now you got to share a shower with some dude? Excuse me. Or vice versa. I'm choking. I, I, I do these and I have a gamer headset. I can't step away from the mic to get a drink when I'm parched. So I'm sitting here like with a dry mouth. But like, how do you, your roommate might be cooler than you. That was always the biggest fear. Like I can't live with another guy cause he'll, he'll bring chicks home and I'll be like so mad hearing moaning and stuff while I'm doing nothing while I'm on my internet, you know, I'm talking to people for real. Whoa. That's why it's like, to me, the internet isn't real. Because this is, there's been no effect to this. I don't know. It's just, you know, when you get to be my age, your family's not getting any younger and the question just keeps coming. Why are you there? Why are you there? What do you do out there? What do you do out there? And even this podcast, if, if someone Los Angeles based would hire me or I felt part of the crew or the community or anybody ever acknowledged who I was, I don't know what I'm asking for. I don't want to go to the bar with Jermaine Lucier and talk about Star Wars and, ooh, I'm going to hang out with Christian Harlow. I don't want to ever meet anybody ever. I just want them, I just want a little respect from Los Angeles. It's like, it's so nice, but it's like when I'm the king of the rust belt, ooh, you're the regular guy, you're Monty Capuletti with your nice and normal observations on movies that are sensible and practical and you make us laugh. I want the LA adoration. So I feel like I'm part of the city, the city of my dreams, the city I really wanted to move to. I wanted everything in my life to center around Los Angeles. It was such a point of pride. Like I live in California. I live in Los Angeles. It was the whole dream. And I think to my detriment, I was just so excited to be here. Those first few years, I was just like, I'm in Los Angeles. Like I was a sentient blob, just thrilled to be here. And other people don't. They're just like, whatever. You know, people come out here on a fucking vacation and they get a bed and breakfast up in the hills. I've never been to the hills. I've never been to a party. I've never had a friend. I've never met a celebrity. I've never met one person in the industry in 26 years because I have to do my shitty post house job and watch everyone else usurp me, which is very painful and sad. It's very sad, man. And everyone like sending the nice, you know, we're enjoying your thing. That's great. That's great, but it's not a living. At the end of the day, you're still alone. You know, when you just do a podcast in your own apartment, I don't take calls. I don't have a co-host. I'm not letting some asshole in on my gig. This is my thing. When I was planning this, dudes were like, well, you could have so-and-so call in and do the trap. I'm like, motherfucker, I've been in California for 30 years trying to get famous. I'm not going to cut in some goof from Kent Washington on my business dream. But you're destined to be alone. And I'm just destined to be talking to myself. Like I'm talking to myself right now. That was the Lex G depression cast. Um, You've learned nothing from it. It was very whiny. And uh, it was a half hour long. So I hope that brightened your day a little bit. I I hope that brightened your day. Bye. Have a good one.